Hello, everyone. Welcome to the study group. Hello, I'm Chloe. Hello, Clinton. <laughs> oh. uh, I was downstairs, and, and Chloe comes and goes, okay, it's time. I go, for what? <laughs> In this other space, we have this amazing new interview, which is an old interview with a woman named Gigi Coyle from the School of Lost Borders, which is an initiation school doing a lot of wilderness work and and vision questing and things like that. So, and, then, and I forgot how fabulous the interview is. I hope you get a chance to look at it. I've also put it on the initiations website. Anybody has something to share about some experiments that you're up to today? Anything in the last week? New discoveries, new breakdowns, things that definitely nobody should try because they just don't work or things people should try because they're amazing. Any stories like that from anyone? You know, I want seven. To... go ahead, Ingrid. Yeah, I had today my, my own possibility team, which I have each week. And I told them about my diagnosis, my very, very probable diagnosis of ALS. And I told them, I want to make myself replaceable here in Longueuil, Quebec, Canada. And I asked them, who would like to do this? And two people said yes. And I'm so glad, so touched. <laughs> it, and I will build a three-cell with them and, and and look how I can do. It was, I'm so, I'm still so moved about that. It makes me really happy. <laughs> 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 Wow, I mean, the, the fact that there were two people, it means you've done years of work to hold space for people to even get what you're doing or to be and to find some kind of resonance between you that is functional because you're talking about some teamwork and some, you know, sharing of secret knowledge and pains and discoveries like that. So it's really what a wonderful thing. Big feedback from the universe. I was just in a call with the possibilitator training in Brazil, which is the, the team of possibilitators meeting. And the conversation we ended up having was very, very similar to what you're talking about, Ingrid, which is what, what is in the way, like this conversation about having a, a life where the commitment to something bigger than yourself is bigger than your commitment to your box life. And, and it's possible to be on this path of transformation and, and healing 
without having to really uh, address this box life. So it's like, okay, I have a nice house. I have all my people around me. I, you know, I, I, I have parties on Saturdays with people or, um, you know, I, I have enough money to live or I never have enough money to live or, um, you know, I, I need to keep a back door for a corporate job. Like I had that one for a while. I need to keep a back door to have a paid job by an employee, employer. And that's this, it's this box life. It's kind of all these back doors that we keep open and really they're huge anchors. They're huge anchors into this, this shift into, for example, in that, in Brazil, it was this, okay, how can we commit to all the edge workers in Brazil that they're coming together in a community where they can support each other without having to be just in one person's circle. So we're having a, a circle of space holder and a circle of edge workers and, and they, these edge workers have their own circle. And then we have the circles of circles, but there's some, somebody and really it was the job of the space holder to say, okay, I'm committing to have my life that will take turns that is bigger than having a better life, like having a better life, having a comfortable life or being able to have intimacy with my partner or with my children. So this is already, those are huge steps. And, 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 but this is not really what this work is about. Actually, it's not. It's not. <laughs> Sorry. Half of the I people mean, look, will log out. Look, 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 look. <laughs> no, really, look at those. This is a circle of circles. Every single person in here is a space holder for some st cool stuff going on at the edge of modern culture. Every single one. So anything, any kind of food they derive from this conversation that we're having here will spread into their circle through them. And uh, these are all class, world-class edge workers. Yeah, talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the chapter that we're on, chapter seven on page 221, is titled Edge Work. And it's, so it really is uh, the kind of relating that we're, we're approaching here, with, which is extraordinary and archetypal relating. It leaves behind ordinary relating as if it's from a different planet or a different universe. It just leaves it in the dust. And it, we have to start over again with a whole new set of skills and a whole new set of intentions. And uh, so I'm, I think we're in the right group of people to do this. I, I agree. I just want to check if anybody else wants to share something before we head off into the hinterlands, Nicole Hartley Bradford, and then Marcus Bork. Yeah, I want to say something about what I've been discovering as I've been you know, traveling the world as a next culture nomad, especially after being in the Possibility Coaching Bridge House for three months, and discovering kind of like this, this, this next box beyond the one that you were just talking about, and Chloe, where where I have this like good possibilitator, good next culture nomad box. And, and how that, I end up running into that 
as this still these these deeper maybe layers of emotional reactivity that I have when when still it's the same stuff when people don't get me when I when I start to get the beginnings of the story that I don't belong anywhere that I'm just uh, really like a vagabond and with all these money problems and it and I it's like there's this next uh this this next swamp I I tumble into on the edges of this box and you know and, and it's been quite a story to find my way here since you know especially since first landing in this study group space and just yeah I feel this joy to be among other edge workers and other next culture nomads more of whom are leaving that corporate kind of ordinary modern culture box behind and and then who who maybe will expand into this like good possibilitator box that I'm struggling with yeah thank you yeah the title of your of your book could be the next swamp <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, keep keep uh, keep talking about that with people. Thank you, Marcus. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm doing something which is quite on on my edge, and I partly I got also my ass kicked by Kian and Jeff who are here just so I do it to make sure I do it, and it is to. Uh, if you see the map behind me, I I think I've. Uh, hidden it in my in my room for a while now and and people got curious about what it is and it's a map that i i think i'm working on since uh since the rage club and the stories that i was biting on and like feeling and training and so much with the people about in rage club about low drama and and basically rage and what do they want what do they not want and it I found out that people are so uh, brilliant, like they're extremely brilliant in their survival mechanisms to not, uh, basically to not live and to not, to not come up front. And, and just after the rage club, I was sitting there with all this pain about, about this brilliantness, like how this, this brilliance is used and the map, I don't know if you can see it, but the map I, I want to share now is so in the bottom, it says self cannibalism. And in the bottom, it says self-ignorance. And the map is called, uh, basically, Jeff called it now, it's uh, the map of authentic ecstasy. And in between the self-ignorance and the self-cannibalism, there's the space of nobody is perfect. And the three, like the, these three uh, memes, what they have in common is that they're all ecstatic. Like it's, it's, it's ecstatic to people to be in the state of self ignorance that everything is good. I'm fine. Uh, as you said, the life I'm living is a good life. I have everything I want and need. And then the moment people start to realize maybe it's not the case. So if they drop out of uh, the self ignorance, people so quickly fall into the, into the state of self cannibalizing themselves for what, what, or I do, what, I discover and wow. and the actual place where transformation is happen and able to happen is in the space between like in the space of nobody is perfect and this is where we are all are all at and this is the reality 
and that's where we have leverage that's where we can evolve thank you thank you somebody else anybody there's a couple more people i think with something to share right now yes last time i was sitting here with uh, a man ah. beside me and in the study group i heard exactly what i needed to hear and uh, and yes my heart is bumping and i feel a lot of fear to telling you more because i did something my good girl box would never accept and actually i did i did know him for very few days and i slept with him and it was just wonderful and I realized that I did self-cannibalism with me by putting myself so in a... Um, I didn't feed myself. I just put something away. And I realized that I, I didn't allow, allow myself to to live my sexuality if it is not in a partnership or at least in a beginning partnership so somehow i i released myself of of this pattern and and i'm sitting here looking into your eyes and and i'm pretty sure that you will Or I have fear that there will be judgment. And I'm standing here and telling you. Thank you for being with me. You know, I think people are going to see this study group video and they'll realize that the study group is actually a really good first date. <laughs> Just find somebody, grab them by the neck, say, hey, hey come in. We got this great online meeting. <laughs> Throw them into this space and see what happens to them, you know. <laughs> and, yes. Not so bad. What? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, and and it was also it is still something like magic because he 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 went away two days later and it was completely okay to let him go and and it was clear that for both of us this was a very uh, important encounter because it opened something up. 
and and with this experience i got something like a, a glimpse of what do the people in tamera mean by fearless relation and yeah it's 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 a big topic mm. thank, thank you. you thank you thank you thank you is there one more person jeff go ahead so i came here to to be with marcus and in, in in what he wanted to share and i am leaving to the next space with a desire to continue to show up here and just feeling very nourished by just 20 18 minutes of this so i'm going to rejigger things in my schedule to to be back with you thank you thank you <laughs> thank you yeah. that one doesn't count somebody else <laughs> Somebody's sitting on their thumb or something like that. Somebody like Sofia Vegela or Sonia Gonzalez or somebody like that. I feel glad to be here. It's my first time actually being in the study group. I listen to the recordings and I feel glad that I yeah, be with you while the magic happens. Thank you. And another thing I'd like to share is it's also about magic and it's a um, I'm in the Gremlin Transformation and it's the second time I do the Gremlin transformation and I can really see how this is, yeah, it's going deep in terms of, I really get the dynamics of what my Gremlin does and, and how my Gremlin inter, yeah, I feel fear, um, how my inter, my gremlin interacts with my child and how when the 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 survival strategies kick in like you 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 shared today and chloe i guess or uh, about the fear so many survival strategies come in when i feel low levels of fear and yeah i'm so glad that i that i do this research and and just yeah I get to more layers but with every layer I also get that something completely different is possible yeah and and I, I'm sitting on something but I, I don't think it's time to share and thank you thank you Thank you, Sophia. Thank you, Sophia. Janet, while you're talking, we keep going. Yes. 
I found a new whiff of superiority last night in Grandman Transformation Zero that links back to me being the eldest child. And it's when I think when I am not dangerous in with some people because I think they don't have the skills or they don't have the commitment to evolution. Um, and that fear that I, the fear that it will become a big mess, particularly with one person, my daughter-in-law. I can feel my throat tightening, so I'm glad I'm going to a lab today because I can. <laughs> I've been brewing this week. Now I'm having a sweat. I've been brewing quite a few things this week, um, particularly about my pain of not having a village that has been wanting to be created through me for decades and listening to ancient futures I know we can live so differently and I feel deeply sad about the individualistic way of living it's not how I want to live so I'm bubbling up big time ready to get to Shada Shada it's the centre we're where you were last time when you came in 2013, same place. Wow. So, and I worked with a dream in the uncle's platform. It was prehistoric. I thought it was a mouse in my shoe. I went down and it's this old animal. Prehistoric. Wow. So, yeah, I'm well primed. Yeah, but Janet, don't sweat and, and cry too much because there's enough water in Auckland already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but these are special. This is special. <laughs> <laughs> this is drops of transformation around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been on the edge of is this lab going to happen or not based on the flooding. And it is. Okay. If I can get rid of a cyclone, if I can... Create, a, ask for help for a cyclone so that tree doesn't get cut down. This lab will be happening. <laughs> uh, you're the one. You're the one who's making this magic happen. Okay. <laughs> one of them. One of them. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for, for asking. I was nearly ready to come forward on my own. The prompt worked. Good. Good. Kian, go ahead. Uh, this morning, like 12 mm. hours ago, the Gremlin transformation with Devin and Tristan started. And I'm one one of the team, like I'm part of the team. And the, the this space comes to me in, in the perfect time, it feels like, or at the right time. And... Um, like what I want to share is that in in a way I'm 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 digging in the last weeks and months through these um, columns or, or these tunnels of underworld in my being, and I feel like they all kind of go back to like three, four, five big events in my life, and and it looks to me like 
like a few things happened to me from which my underworld or the depth of like the depth of my underworld was born that still runs my life from on today and what i what i notice is it's really it's it's not so nice to go through this and i feel now this fear actually to offer this kind of work like because in a way when i when i do rage club or when i do coaching with people and when they when i my story at the moment is when they really go down this path they will come across this these parts of the underworld and i'm i'm at the moment not at the point where i can really honestly say i i want you to go down this path because i'm like <laughs> yeah and it's I can sense it, it might be coming at some point this because I see the fruits, but at the moment I don't, I don't, I, it's just, yeah, it, I will, this is a path of pain. You will trodden, you will need to trodden. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in this state at the moment and I'm, I will also leave this space and because we, and, My community will watch a movie now that I just want to put out there as a recommendation. It's called the 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 Green Planet or La Bella Verde. It's a it's a French movie, and if you haven't watched it, it's it's an amazing piece of art looking at modern culture from another planet, basically. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Kian. Kian, stay on just yeah. one second, okay? Yes. Mm -hmm. So I just want to say that this 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 circle, I mean the, the people, this path, I mean that the recommendation is basically if you can go do something else, go do something else. This is sort of like a path of last resort. Because it's like and Chloe was talking about, all these things are back doors. We have so many back doors. And the point is that if we don't go through the back door and see that it's fake or that it's got, you know, it's, it has no value on the other side of the door. If you don't do that, then you will think in the back of your mind, gosh, I could have gone to Hawaii. You know, I could have, I could have gotten a job, you know, at McDonald's, whatever the thing is, I could be a McDonald's manager. Now. I, could, <laughs> I could be a millionaire. You know, there's these, all these back doors. And if you do not go through the back door, then you keep having them. And if you, And you just have to go through the back doors and, and essentially watch your fantasy world burn to a crisp and drop in ashes and go, shit, another one bites the dust. You know, another fantasy world that I thought was going to be my future, my my savior, you know, my my rescuing me of God, I, at least I have this back door. But once you go through the back doors, then the the pain of losing all your back doors is more <laughs> more painful than the pain of just going, well, I've been living my life, you know, in this fantasy world or this childhood old vow that I made or old decision, you know, like that. So then the, then the pain becomes relative. It's like a, it's a, it's a useful factor to have, let have the, uh, you know, accurate assessment of current reality, burn your fantasy worlds to a crisp before you start owning trying to own your underworld this is really a useful thing so thank you for bringing that up 
Good movie. Like, <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Yes, Clinton. I, I I didn't exactly get it. <clears throat> Can I repeat back if I get it right? Go ahead. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you said that the pain is bigger and it's okay if you go to uh, break down all the fantasy worlds that someone has, like go to the McDonald's or go back to your country or go to the back to the whatever, and this pain, this path, like it shows you better the underworld or I don't know, I didn't understand that was the point I didn't understand rather than if you keep going to the path that okay, this is my life, I have my job I have my car, everything is okay everything is settled this is what you said what I'm saying is that can Facing, like facing into the artifice, the the superficiality of the life that we're marketed by modern culture and opening all those doors, like going, trying. One of my friends said, I cannot do the path of transformation because I need to go buy a large black Mercedes, I mean, BMW. And, and drive it around Germany. I just need to do that. I said, go do that. And I didn't see him after that. You know, so he's still in the fantasy world of driving the big black BMW around. Okay. You know, the idea is if you can go do that, go do that. Because that will, because if you, if you're satisfied with that kind of a life, you will have a problem with this kind of life. You'll have a problem with, standing on nothing and facing transformation again and again and, <clears throat> and and going and going along the path and helping other people along the path you'll have a problem with that it will not make sense because you think oh gosh you know why didn't i do what my father said you know try you know invest in ibm and you know get my k1040 form filled up for my retirement so i have enough money to travel through the bahamas when i'm retired or whatever, the, you know, whatever the fantasy world is, the idea mm -hmm. is if you can do that and you're satisfied with it, go do that. And what I'm saying is this, this path, like, like reading Radiant Joy, Brilliant Love, Building Love That Lasts and, and studying it, you know, actually becoming somebody who can navigate ordinary, extraordinary and archetypal spaces of intimacy and possibility. This is a path that doesn't work if you have back doors. You you need to have no back doors. It's it what doesn't Jesus. work. Go ahead. Sorry, the 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 synthesis the um, oh. My Greek is a little. Uh, I didn't hear that. If yes, I'm so sorry. I don't remember the English word. The connection was interrupted at the moment that you said that. Um, you cannot move on if you still have these back doors. Is that right? Yeah, it's difficult. It's it's difficult, and the suggestion is go do your back doors. Okay. You know, and and then you end up realizing, then you know, that, that nobody can convince you otherwise that back doors are true. You, you know, you've had the experience. You've opened these back doors, 10, 15, 20 back doors. 
every single one just crashing into a brick wall or falling off into gremlin land, you know, and being abused again. And, and, and so it's like, okay, maybe I'm tired of that. The whole backdoor thing just doesn't work for me. You know, I'm, I'm, I go for, for making my own doors or side doors, you know, or front doors. I don't know, multidimensional doors. I'm ready for the path, you know, and that's a continuous path of, gosh, I didn't know that I didn't know that. That's what it's like on this path. It's like, okay, okay, well, that's not fun if you think you have a back door you could use. And so what I'm put, I'm putting it in a perspective that, that if you have a secret life, you know, if you have a secret life going on where, well, I go to the bar or, you know, I do some drugs or, you know, I, I have a couple of affairs here in this city and that city. And I have, you know, all this stuff going on and these are back doors. Then you won't, you won't actually be there when the real door opens, like when transformation happens, you won't, you won't be committed to taking the full risk and like really being at full risk, like paying the full price to, to take the next step. You're not willing to sacrifice what you think of as ordinary or good or real. You won't, you won't sacrifice that because you still think it's real. You still think it's real, but it's, but after you go through the back doors, you discover it's, it's this, it's marketing, you know, it's lipstick, you know, it's this kind of just paint on the surface and the, and, but you have to actually have that experience. If you come into the transformational path and you go, gosh, I want to be a handsome, holy tribal man, you know, that people read my, my blog and that they look at my videos you know, and they hire me to go and give talks at conferences and I'm in a world circuit. You know, if, you, if that's your if if that's the world that you're you want to be in, it, it you've got to keep your back doors open. You have to. This is coming across like it really there's this a commitment of clarity that's experiential and not conceptual that is really helpful when the bottom, like when the rug falls out from under you again and you go, Oh yeah, the rug's falling out from under me again. You know, it's like, who was saying it? Somebody was saying about being a good, Nicole, Nicole about being a good, a good possibilitator, for example, good possibility manager, you know, the whole good thing is a built up, it's a it's a gremlin world. It's a child world. It's a fake world. And to have that rug pulled out, then you have then you know, okay, well, it's called disillusionment. I celebrate my disillusionment. You know, I uh I'm looking for disinhibiting factor that will trigger my anamnesia. It's a, a little saying from Philip Dick. And amnesia is when you forget everything. And and anamnesia is when you remember stuff that you previously knew but forgot. So he has this little prayer, which is, I'm, I'm looking for a disinhibiting factor. I hope to find a disinhibiting factor, which is like a block removed, some factor that will remove a block. So I'm looking for a disinhibiting factor that will trigger my anamnesia, which is to remember 
who I really am or what I'm really up to without being distracted by all the illusions. So it's like that. You're seeking disillusionment. Like most people, disillusionment is a bad word. You know, it's like, I'm disillusioned. Well, somebody says I'm disillusioned. I go, congratulations. You want to live in the illusion? <laughs> I want to share something, Clinton. Go ahead. Uh, the dis- disillusionment I got from you when I, uh, before Christmas, we, we shared this gift, right? And when you said to me that I chose this love sickness and I was resisting it, I, I did not want to hear that. That I, I chose this exquisite pain of being in love and having messed it up this one chance of experiencing love. And Yeah, it was hard for me to believe that I created it, that it must be gremlin. And I was, I don't know, I was running around inside of me somehow. And after a while, I could admit it. I I was able to be, yeah, disillusioned that I might want love and happiness and joy and whatever, but that I might enjoy love sickness that's that was super weird to me and once i admitted i i could see how it intensifies everything and how this regrets and this melancholia was a constant yeah like uh yeah like ecstasy basically yeah and it's it's changed everything it also changed my relationship to him and i met him again and this was unbelievable that this would happen and i assumed that i was resisting all the time to to the fact that i caused it that yeah thank you for for this disillusionment i'm yeah. i'm glad you did not heal me or whatever I wanted in this moment. <laughs> I bet. I'm working on this manuscript from El Somarika Coster called The White Witch of Tenerife. And I'm halfway through, and uh, she's just adamant, fiercely adamant about how people living a life, any, a human being lives a life that is predictable, you know, any kind of regularity in your life, you know, You go drive down the street, the same street to work, you go to the same cafe, you have the same schedule. Like this kind of life is so inhuman that people, people will do anything to get out of it. And so, and getting sick is one of the, one of the st- most straightforward ways to get out of, for example, having to go to school or having to go to work or have, because you call in sick. You know, if you call in sick, it's the one excuse you can have to not go to work is if you're sick. And so people, it's just so deep. So many clients from her would come in and she just looked at them. You go, you're not sick. You just hate your life. You're not sick. You're just bored. You know, you're giving yourself tumors and, you know, having accidents and doing this stuff that just to get some kind of attention from people because you're, you're so cut off and separated in your mechanical life. And so, It's really, uh, uh, 
one of the tools that you that you can learn along this path is to pull the rug out from under yourself. You don't wait for somebody else to do it. You don't, you know, go to a group and say, please give me feedback, whatever. You just, you just keep figuring out how to undermine yourself, not to be ineffective or not to be powerless or something like that, but pulling like, how do you say it? Burning your house down, basically. If you just keep burning your house down, metaphorically speaking, then then what's left is real. Like the stuff that's fake can burn. So you let it burn. In fact, you just kind of become a pyromaniac about artificial stuff. Just keep burning, you know, burn it down. And then you're left with very little in terms of your maybe your your personality or your neurosis or your your quirks your weirdnesses you know a lot of this your your needs you know a lot of that stuff just burns away and i have to have you know yellow raisins and brown sugar on my oatmeal every morning for breakfast you know that just stuff burns away you got i'll eat leftover okonomiyaki it's been in the refrigerator for 6 days you know, with some ketchup on it for breakfast. That's what I'm, whatever is available, that's what I'll have for breakfast. Because it it just becomes, you've got a different priorities, different set of priorities. And it's uh, the, the set of priorities that you entertain become more archetypal, become more directly connected to the way the universe works. And then and that's like we were talking before. This is how you become interesting for the Earth Coincidence Control Office. You become an, you have agency. You don't have so much baggage on you, and you can you get used for interesting jobs. You know they send you universe. You know the universe sends you in into difficult situations because you can. You know a lot. I don't know if you ever had that feeling. You go, how did I get in this mess? Like how did I get? you know, between this company or this person and this problem and this, you know, and here I am and here's this thing going on. Why me? You know, and the answer is because you can, because you're, you have agency in this area. And, and the, the part of the skill of that is this radical reliance on the earth coincidence control offices, reliance on you, Radical, radical reliance on the universe's reliance on you. Like you would not be in the situation that you're in unless you can actually produce some value there. Like you can create value there, and you just go, you just go full forward, dedicated to producing value in it to an extraordinarily unreasonable degree. You know, maybe you're not even getting paid. Maybe. You don't even have a place to sleep regularly. Whatever the thing is, you just create the value. And the return from your producing the, your value in those circumstances only gets you a, a bigger job. You know, the return is you get, you solve this problem, they give you a bigger problem. You know, this is, and this is the reward that you get. It isn't, it isn't the illusion of, you know, the, you know, lying on the tropical beach, getting, you know, daiquiris brought to you by half naked guys or whatever. It's because, I mean, I'm telling you, lying on the beaches, I was in the sun for three hours here. My legs got so fried. There's like three layers of burnt skin on them just from three hours in the sun. So 
this whole illusion of laying on the beach, they have sand flies here. You know, if a sand fly bites you, you scratch it for three or four weeks, you know, and then there's a scar. So the illusion of laying on the beach is way behind me. But so that's the that's the point. Light your house on fire. Just become a personal pyromaniac. When people ask you what, you know, what are you doing? You go and you can tell them this stuff, you know, really try to tell people this stuff that you're doing. Don't keep a secret. And the, what happens is when you, you do that stuff, when you tell people what you're actually up to, like, for example, Mark Sunday is up to stuff that he doesn't tell people about. And he keeps it secret because he tries to be a nice guy or an under. And everybody knows he's got this vibration, this secondary vibration going on. That this guy's a weirdo. This guy, he's got something else going on, but he's not telling us what it is. But if you would tell people what we are, you know, tell people what you're really up to, you get a whole new circle of friends. It sends out this waves, you know, legend waves that that the people will come around you or the opportunities will come around you that would not come around you if you're trying to deceive the world about what you really are. So the point is to close your back doors, burn your house down and have a great time. <laughs> Excuse and me. And I want to celebrate something very quickly. Can I, okay. I'm back to Greece and I have a first uh, driving lesson. And the man, you know, next to like the driver teacher, he was so Greek and patriarchal and like I knew everything that he like I knew his behavior very well. Uh and I was I was I was sitting on the I was sitting and all the time I was very focused to to be clear, to have clarity, to ask, and he got uh, like um <laughs> anyway, he got really overwhelmed. And, he did things like I think differently, and in the end, he finally he I, he saw me something with his thigh, and uh, and I did it to my thigh like my leg, and then he touched me. He put his hand on my, on on my hand, and we did this movement anyway. And then that that, that moment, I got like anger come out, and Chloe was on my mind, <laughs> you know, like. Put him like say him stop. I couldn't do it in the car so close to him, and then I I got out of the car. I was uh, super scared. Then I go from prosecuting like to victim and say, oh, I didn't do again. La 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 la. The loser. And then I said, okay, I'm gonna say it. I can choose to say now to him. Then I went and I wasn't nice, but I was kind. And I say. Uh, look, uh, next time, please, I didn't know, I don't remember what I say exactly, but I say, next time, can you ask me before you touch me? Because, uh, yes, I didn't say because. And he got like, uh, he got really small, his energy got really kind. And say, he say, yes, okay, but I will need to touch you. And say, I said, okay, but you need to ask me before you do it. Because then he said, sometimes maybe... I need to touch your hand or the, maybe for German people, it's, I don't know. But in Greek, people really got touchy. But I managed and I said it. And then somehow I got so alive that I said it. But when I, eh, yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I receive it all. Thank you. 
And then I entered in this in the in the little shop, and every like I was so alive, my being was so glowing that everybody, all the energy changed. It was really nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, and great. Thank you for listening. Yeah. yeah next okay. time you say, it's for your yes. own good. Because if you don't ask me before you touch me, I'm, I might break your nose. I have this reflex yeah. of just fucking breaking people's nose and chopping your neck. It just happens automatically. So you got to be really careful if you're going to touch me. You might have a broken nose. <laughs> okay, I'll try. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, go, Dimitri. Dimitri. Thank you. <laughs> All right, all right, I'm going to read page 221, Edward, chapter 7. Here we go, extraordinary relating. Here we go, it's called Edgework. The term Edgework is extracted, meaning I extracted it, from a discussion in Seth Godin's energetic and wise little marketing book called Free Prize Inside. So he explores ways to expand a market, and we explore ways to expand the box. In this case, expanding the box of relationship possibilities. One effective and interesting way to expand the box is through edge work. Edge work is about responsibly opening up fresh opportunities in several <laughs> dimensions of your box at the same time. And I, I want to pause there for a second because there were, in ancient history, there were lineages of, how do you call it, evolutionary practice. There were three lineages that were commonly known. Uh, one is the way of the fakir, which is about the, you working with the physical body, like walking on nails and laying on glass and stuff like that, eating, whatever. And uh, one was the way of the monk. Which was a which is a heart, the heart path, and one is the way of the yogi, which was the mind, using the mind. Then a guy came along named George Ivanovich Gurdjieff, and he he said, "What if we work on all three at the same time? What if we're actually not focused on only the mind or only the body or only the heart? Let us practice in more than one dimension at the same time." And he called it the fourth way. And so that's, and, and it, it made this huge breakthrough in personal evolution work. Like the evolution path broke open when that was a, the method. And so we're working in possibility management background using five bodies, not just the mind, the heart, and the physical body. We have the energetic body end. The archetypal body on top of that and so and this suggestion is is responsibly opening up fresh opportunities in several dimensions of your box at the same time that means doing experiments in in three four five different bodies at the same time even in the same space even with the same experiment which requires splitting your attention so you're doing more than one well, more than one dimension of an experiment at the same time. Fresh opportunities are most abundant at the edges of your box 
where there can be intersections with the unknown. So there could be more intersections with the unknown it's at the edges and at multiple edges at the same time. So, you know, school could be about this. School could have been about this kind of stuff. It, of course, was not. But but just imagine that you're you're in a kind of, uh, you know, you're in a school. You're in a, a real school. Like a re- maybe that's just a horrible, bad word. Okay. You're in an adventure club. All right. And we're doing... We're doing experiments in five bodies and five edges at the same time. So through doing edge work experiments, you take responsibility for creating what is important for you in your life, in your own life. So this is a, this is a radical responsibility because if, if you're a good citizen or a good taxpayer, or a good person in your in your community uh in your part of the neighborhood whatever if you're a good person there's a way that you submit yourself to your environment uh, with the assumption or expectation that the environment will provide you what is important for you there will be a grocery store down the block they will they will supply it with food important enough food for you you know, the gas station will be there. The postman will every now and then bring your packages from Amazon. You know, that you expect, like you expect, you don't, you're, you're, is it like a childhood, childish, naive way of thinking that the world around you is going to handle for you, bring you a life that will, that will be important for you. Can I do that? Yeah. I mean, it's also true from what you were saying, Nicole, about being a good possibilitator. And I think the expectation that comes is that people will change. For example, if I'm a good possibilitator, then people will be on my team or will support me or the people around me will actually get it. And having those expectations broken then is resentment. The result is resentment. And it's so there's this word that we don't really use impossibility management, but it sort of keeps coming up lately. It's about being in service. And I don't, I don't use that word because it's so close to doing what other people want me to do, what, doing what I think other people want me to do. It's really like that. And and, and real, for me, it's like I'm realizing as I'm doing also this gremlin transformation that it's totally arrogant. It's totally arrogant that I can think that I know what other people want or other people need instead of actually being with them and then them saying it, creating it, figuring it out, whatever it is. And what it goes back to is, can I do what I want? Can I like unconditionally a hundred percent in a way it's like without giving a fuck about what's going to happen. What will happen if I really do really what I want with the, with the, you know, inner navigation tool that I have of, you know, is this, is this box? Is it gremlin? Is it, am I trying to kill people? Am I trying to, you know, energetically kill people? I mean, not physically, you know, am I, or, you know, being able to have this experiential distinction. So those tools help, but this it's, I think it's a huge thing for, for also healers that, there's this there's this thought where about oh I I'm doing it for somebody else I mean and that's the old map of of shamanism is I'm doing it for you 
what I'm doing, I'm he I'm healing other people. I'm healing you. I'm a healer. It's about other people. Instead of being, I'm, I'm doing what I want. I'm doing mm. what I want. Thank you. So I, I need to just leave for 10 minutes. Okay. Be back. Right. So through doing edge work, you take responsibility for creating what is important for you in your own life. It's a very different approach. It's different from all your neighbors, probably different from all your relatives. You know, people, people think the insurance company will pay people. You have to go to work because then they, you get a dental plan and the dent, they will pay for your dental work or you're getting retirement money. So they will, they will take care of you. The government will take care of you or somebody's going to take care of you. And so what this is saying is if you, if you, Shift your identity, actually, become an edge worker. That you are, you become the edge worker, that you're responsible for creating what is important for you in your life, that you are. And if stuff is happening in your life that is not important for you, you have not burned that part down yet. That these are parts you can burn down. You can't expect somebody else to have enough regard for you to stop causing you to do stuff that's not important for you. It's, it has this expectation or assumption. And you can just skip all that with radical responsibilities. You're the one who's creating for yourself what's important for you in your life. Nobody can do edge work for you. There can, you can have in a, be in a three-cell team. So, now let's see. Good. Thank you. I, you can be in a three-cell team, and even you can have make pirate agreements with people. And the people around you can, can commit to like, reminding you to burn your, your house down. But you're the one who has to, has to do that. You're the one who takes it apart from the inside. Because we're so, the box is so good at rebuilding itself almost instantaneously back to the old way. You know, you do this process, you get this new insight, you make an old decision, you go, oh, new decision, oh, okay. And then you think your life is going to change. But the structure around it, your habits, the way you put your attention, the thoughts, and it, and it comes back the old way, you know, within a day. You go, what happened to my insight? What happened to my process? Well, it gets eaten by the, the bulk of, because you're living in the middle of your life. But if you move to the edge, then the middle of your life is behind you. You're relocating your point of origin to the edge then the bulk of your life is behind you. You get this? It's not at, it's not where you are. It's not in front of you. You're facing outward. There's nothing out there. You're at the edge. The rest of it's behind you. You have a whole, you've just cleaned off half of your world or even more because it's behind you. And then when you build new territory, when you do the experiment, when you make a new decision, you go through a process, then you step into it, you're even farther away from the edge. You're even farther away from that bulk of everything that was behind you that was kind of mass holding you the way you were. And so 
this is what edwork is about nobody can do edwork for you if you succeed in taking an action with enough momentum to break free of the culture's gravitational field that's pulling you back towards its definition of normal then you're creating in a way that can potentially transform the culture itself and here's why it's because you're building out new game space when you're at the edge and you make a new decision and you inhabit this new territory that works differently from before other people can start to occupy that space that you just invented you just opened up new game space for the whole of society and this is what edge work is about it's about inventing new game space that other people if they want or even accidentally can occupy can and it's the ones who go first the edge workers if you don't go first and try the thing that you want to try if you don't do that then other people don't have the courage they don't have the skills they haven't dedicated their life to be an edge worker but you have and so you're doing this in relating you're doing this in the world you're doing this in every every step you take where you can stand there and breathe and kind of relax and then you have a new edge then take the next step what you're leaving behind you is new game space built out that's why we talk about building bridge to next culture because if you just keep going in that direction you're essentially building a bridge from the known edge to somewhere else you're just kind of building out a bridge and other people can walk on that bridge because you built it that that's what we mean by occupying new space so it can actually transform the culture true creating is accompanied by a joyous edginess it's called i've been calling it invention stress invention stress it's the it's a being in the service of uh forces that are greater than yourself your bright principles your archetypal lineage etc these forces you're you're turned on your you know your stellated feelings archetypes these things are archetypal when you're in the service of those you have a different kind of energy running through your body and it causes it's a the experience you can call it invention stress i'm sure you know what i'm talking about your your nervous system after what you can starts to vibrate in a different way you can feel it you lay down and you can how many people have felt that you're kind of glowing or radiating or humming you're humming you can even hum in yellow stuff like you have this yeah so you know what i'm talking about this is invention stress it's caused by being at extraordinary risk you are at risk through radical responsibility for producing from the unknown something that did not exist before and succeeding when and so you know you try to explain it to your mom or somebody you know how do you explain that to to people i just invented this way of being in presence with another person that i never encountered before and 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 i'm um i'm in having invention stress and they they have to kind of look at you and go you know i produced it from the unknown like say well how can you do that how can you produce something from the unknown there's nothing there you go yes 
yes, if you have the known, you can't produce something new. You're just remixing old stuff. I mean, we and Chloe and I just uh, yesterday visited uh, Weta Cave, Weta Cave, which is the the part of the film studio construct that Peter Jackson, Jackson, who's the director of the Lord of the Rings and a bunch of other films. This is part of his workshop. So we just went on a tour there and I, I tried to buy one of their t-shirts that says, be creative, build cool stuff. And so, you know, these, the cool stuff that they're building is um, orcs, you know, new weapons for orcs, you know, and, and weird armor pieces and like artifacts from other science fiction cultures and all this stuff. Okay. We're building cool stuff out of nothing to so that other people can occupy new culture space. So that's what I'm what for me, that's what cool stuff is. It's non-material value stuff. It's non-material stuff. So when you're building out new culture space and people can occupy it, that's cool stuff because they can, they can relate in different ways. They can talk in different ways. And you're a space holder. You're an experimenter. You're an edge worker building out cool stuff new space and you're at risk when you do that you're, you're because you're committed because you're radically responsible so responsible invention stress builds matrix for extraordinary human relating i'm just gonna responsible invention stress it builds matrix in you and the kind of matrix for extraordinary human relating that's that's what that whole thing was about. See, we're back to relating again. These ideas may at first seem unusual, but as soon as you begin seeking extraordinary human relating, they immediately fall into place and start making amazing sense. Edge work is not ready-made, and it's not something that you do once. In extraordinary human relating, edge work becomes your way of life. Anything about that? That's the first kind of paragraph in the Edgework chapter. Anybody have any stories or anything? I have something about how this how this is similar to what I heard you saying about the back door, side door, front door where, you know, the back door takes me away from the edge. And the side door, maybe I stay on the edge, but the front door, like, I'm going somewhere unknown. Rather than going back to something known, this, 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 this fantasy story of, you know, how good it can be. And I love, I'm so appreciating this because also what came with that question was how to tell what's a back door, side door, front door. And then this starts to merge with this part about avoiding feeling, like avoiding that exhilarating invention stress because it, it's, it's not comfortable. Yeah, and something about how this alive edge where there's so, there's emotions, there's fears, there's doorways to processes, and then there's this nothing to, to be relating and creating at or with yeah 
There's a, can I just add something right now, Nicole? Yeah. It's about grounding what you're building in reality. Because you can occupy the space and you can have this experience yourself, but it doesn't have enough mass or grounding to stay unless you're putting energy into it. And, and it doesn't really work if it only works when you put energy into it. It has to stand by itself. And that's called grounding it in reality. So one of the ways to do that, for example, is to write it down, is to write an article, or put it in a website, or design up a workshop. Or like you get, you know, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. You know, you've discovered a crack and you want to make it, you want to occupy the new space. And what do you do is you, you do a work talk about it or a workshop about it. And then people ask you questions. And when people ask you questions, more stuff comes, more mass comes into the space and just starts grounding. And it makes so much sense then when you're answering the questions and people go, ah, yeah, well, what about this? And then you, you go in that direction and you, and you bring down more stuff and it fills up the space and it, and then it's grounded in reality. And so these are some ways to take something that's so ethereal as a possibility space and occupy it and ground it in reality so that other people, so it stays there when you go on to the next thing. It's like leaving a trail behind you. I mean, that's what's useful about a beat book is you grab your beat book and you just, you know, write your notes down. You just start, you just write down and it doesn't, it doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to fit with anything else, but it's, you, you build it out in your beat book and then you build it out into an article and then you build it out into a website or a workshop or a talk or a video or, book. or, or a training or a book or a film script or a song. And you start and you just build it out like that. And this is how you, you ground it out in reality. So, Nicole, I kind of interrupted you. Was there more you wanted to say about that? No, this is great because it like I I've been researching and pull me to side or back doors instead of going in into this more edgy, scary, alive place. And I, I turned that into a work talk that I'll do on Thursday called like the avoid dance. I realized that there were these steps to this avoidance dance that I could totally re-choreograph how I go into the unknown by noticing this, the avoidance steps and, and then creating possibilities about something completely different. And, oh, yeah, I'm just brimming with this. I mean, there's so much that we avoid. And, for example, I remember when I first started to avoid automatically answering somebody's question. Like, I, I had the idea. Somebody, I was in a group, and we said, here's your experiment this week is to not automatically answer people's questions. You know, somebody says, how are you? And the answer, we have this automatic answer of fine. Or people, somebody comes up to me and says, you know, what time is it? And my answer started being, it's time for you to get your own watch. So, that, you know, it's like this is back when we used multi, or single function devices like a watch. But the, the, the invitation to answer somebody's question automatically and avoiding not answering their question because it causes something. It opens up a crack, a pause. It causes, it's a shift into, could possibly be extraordinary. And so, but we avoid that. So the avoidance of, of 
of like you said, the avoidance stance works especially in that domain of especially so we know the experiments we could do. We we know that that we know the experiments that would keep us awake or would keep a space extraordinary. We we sense what those are and we avoid doing them. Be, because why? And then that's where you can go is okay, why why did I avoid not answering the question immediately. I just gave a, an ordinary, stupid, simple answer to, to why did I do that? To end the conversation, to uh, to make the person relax, you know, to to not use up energy, to not make them have a story. Like why why am I doing that? So this is a really valuable uh, point of investigation or self observation or noticing about the avoidance of extraordinary. That would be a great experiment for this week. It's like start noticing in your beat book, very clear writing, exactly those times when you avoid extraordinary and how do you do it? How are you doing it? You write down exactly how you do it. And then you can, you can give a, a workshop on how to be ordinary, how to stay ordinary, how to be bored how to make sure your life is dead, how to be a zombie. You could actually give a whole workshop and how to stay, you know, mechanical and dead and, and, and do not stand out. You're going to say something. Okay. So the next section is called the context, the contest between you and your box. So does anybody want to say anything about what we were just talking about? This avoidance of the extraordinary. Well, I would say something that. You, <laughs> that in the midst of the path of evolution or liquid state, and you know, being faced with basically what you know, each of us has brought into the table of um, our own survival strategy and our contamination of our adult ego state or constructs or trying to be a good something or, and, and it takes some time. This takes time to burn. Like it takes time to burn the house and to keep burning the house and to be okay with burning the house. I think it really takes time in matrix. And so in the meantime, in terms of working at the edge i think it 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 really helps to be whatever in a bridge house it really helps mm -hmm. to be in a in a in a physical location team where the context is extraordinary and so in a way it's like it's you don't have to be in a liquid state you know in in the deepest burning state that you can be and at the same time source extraordinary because that's a kind of a stretch. It, it, in the beginning, it's really a stretch. Whereas if you actually are in a place where other people are also sourcing extraordinary, actually when you're in a liquid state, the, is the forces that make you come back into a different shape will be more extraordinary, will be more filled with bright principle than the ordinary pressure of fitting into to modern culture. And to just to give you this, whatever, this breathing space of um, 
not try to do it all at once, all over alone. Something like that. And so that's why I love, I just love Bridge House. I, I love that there's, yeah, Gaia villages coming to, coming to life. <clears throat> it's such a huge support. Ingrid. Yeah. I just burned my house, okay? <laughs> I lost my relationship. I, I'm, not, I, I, I'm diagnosed with an illness. I have no idea what happened, what will happen. And I'm really, really well alive. I feel. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. I feel uh, yesterday with Janet, I burned down, uh, a belief about suffering is needed to reach God or something like that. So I burn a lot. And, um, and, and what I want to say is exactly what um, I want to bring in an other aspect of Bridge House. I, here in this study group, two weeks ago, I founded a English support team. And I I want to tell you there to burn the house down, their echo delivers certain momentum. And I needed a support team to really grab that momentum. On my own I would not have been able to maybe to see the momentum, but not the time. There is a certain time frame when it can be done. After the time frame, the door closes again. And I needed the team to do what I did in the time Echo gave to me. Thank you. Yeah, timing is timing is everything, they say. And I'm so grateful. It, it's really how this strange mental body, how limited it is. And when there are several of that strange, limited mental body, it's a bit of a bit, little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Anybody else right now? Yes, I, 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 I wanted. To, I'm holding back from saying something to Ingrid, and I want to say it now. I really appreciate what you bring into the space, Ingrid. There is so much richness and love and it's, it's so delicate. It's like you are creating this handcrafted piece with threads. And I, I want to say this. Thank you.
Andrea, what about what's what's happening over there in the tropical paradise of Brazil? Um, I feel joy to be here. So I haven't been here for a while, and the space is really nourishing me. And about what's going on here, um, I've. I took a little bit of a break from the bridge house. I went away for two weeks. And coming back, I felt like the ecstatic joy of being in a space where I can transform and relate to people in an extraordinary way. So what you said about the bridge house is really resonates with me. Um, we're... Yeah, I would say we are facing a bit of a, like we're facing challenges, challenges in terms of how gremlins are behaving in the house. But I feel, I feel like, so I'm, I'm in a process of taking back my center from the bridge house and PM and also burning down illusions that um, I built towards the space. And I'm, yeah, I'm taking a step forward to create um, as part of this bridge house and really build what I'm what I want to build. So this this um, what you were saying, Clinton, about making edge work life like my life really resonates as well, and it's something that I'm struggling a bit with and. There is still a part of me that I still feel a strong resistance to, to create the spaces that I want to create. And I'm, I'm being with it right now, trying to figure out what it's really about. And this also helps me a lot to the question of what am I avoiding, really? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I want to share an experiment that I, I'm also doing when I discovered that I have this amazing uh, mental body or intellectual body, and it's this thing about trying to figure it out. And it, and it's trying to f sort of figure out the clarity before I move, trying to figure out the result I'm going to create before I make a move. And that it's sort of like this. It, it, it keeps me it, just in that, you know, it's like, okay, it's a little bit edge work, but it's not over the edge because I've already figured out what results I want to create before I move. And this is what I was hearing from you, Andrea, about trying to figure out what you want to create. And the experiment is move, move and, and, and see what happens. And you'd be like, oh, okay, that's, I did this. That was, that wasn't it. Okay. Let me, okay. I'll move again. And you move again. And move again, you know, before your mind can be like, is this really what I want? Am I going to, you know, am I going to fuck it up? Is this, you know, what am I doing here? Like all this stuff is just this, this trying to figure it out in advance. And instead, get the feedback. Get, you know, and, and sometimes you might not get the feedback for a few weeks or a few months. You, you know, you won't know. But do the next move. Do the next move. 
and 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 that's when your archetypal lineage and your bright principles have a chance to get in there when you move before you think because otherwise they have no space it's like your 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 thinking it's like the intellectual body is so strong it has no space for it to take you sideways in places you would not even have you cannot even imagine you can't even even figure out beforehand and you and and you know you know one of the safest place like you said a bridge house is the safest place to do that the worst that can happen will be you'll discover that that wasn't what you wanted or that was you know just a grumman survival strategy and it's like okay that was it that was just it Thank you for saying that, Anchor. It resonates a lot. And yeah, I'm realizing how, like, I have a big fear of feedback, which is also like holding me back, which also makes the bridge house a dangerous space. And um, I'm kind of, yeah, it's th this um, theme of safe or dangerous space has been coming back for me. And I feel like there are also some illusions about what it means. Mm -hmm. So thank you for the experiment. Cool. I mean, one possibility, and I, this is also really much my edge, is trying to get as much feedback as you can. You, you go around and you're trying to get all the feedback that you can so that when you've got, you know, 100 feedback, at, you know, at some point you're just like, okay, it's just feedback. But if you're waiting and then you get one feedback and it destroys your life and you have to put yourself back together for two weeks before you get the next feedback and then you collapse and it's like, that's exhausting. Except you go, if you go around and looking for feedback, which is, you know, the beeps and the goes, because I think you're probably also avoiding the goes as much as you're avoiding the beeps, you know, both. You could be this, this you know, feedback, feedback um, explorer, like this feedback Look, on looker for feedback and and you know it's this thing of the, the more you do it the more it's like okay that it's it becomes more familiar just getting feedback just becomes part of your life and just a little hint at, is to instead of giving feedback make proposal formulate mm -hmm. what you think is feedback make it into a proposal I propose that we try this. I propose we stop that. I propose we change this. And you just make proposals. And people will push back sometimes and they'll, but they could do yes and. Yes and this plus, let's do this. Let's try that. And then you have this creation space instead of a quote unquote gremlin weaponized feedback space, which is, which is not, it's not possibility management. It's not, it's just, gremlin contamination of the adult ego state and you're just throwing back bombs you know back and forth that's not what feedback is about so i encourage to shift out of this whole feedback context and work it into uh, transformational proposals or at least proposals proposals that open up new possibility and that's how it's a straightforward way to use group intelligence to create actually what you want because if you if you hammer on stuff you don't want you it, you just end up with a mess. But if you keep proposing stuff you do want, then you can start occupying these new spaces and then you leave behind the old stuff. You go towards what you want instead of against what you don't want. Very effective. Marcus. Yes, I have 
And Chloe, you just said that the bridge house is the safest place to try something. And I have, like, I've heard that a couple of times in, uh, in, in basically here or in, in, in similar spaces. And I've been, um, I think like gotten angry about that sentence because I, I think it didn't, didn't take into account the, the power of the shadow world that a, a group has, for example, that has the same context like a team of evolutionaries, a team of edge workers, I experienced that they still, we like still have um, secret bonds on something. And, and on this, on this being on the run of um, evolution, and let's say I find something which is a breakthrough th for me, I, c I found that it could have, um, it, it was very hard also sometimes to, to encounter the group with that because because I mean the people I was uh, like moving with they we got used to something and and then there's what we're used to I'm, I start questioning it and and suddenly there's these people who are who've done like gremlin training and who've um, have a clear sword and and suddenly they all or no not they all but suddenly a lot of the energy is used to defend the old context instead of going with with the new one and and i would just wanted to put this into onto the table that i find also like transform transformational groups they can be very uh i'd say well dangerous for the next liquid state for for everybody because people are just so well trained in in scanning any mistake for example i'm any uh any any doubt they can find in what i'm saying marcus there's a there's angles to, to what you're saying. There's different mm -hmm. viewpoints. And one of the viewpoints is guardianship. And so when, when a space is being held in a certain context for a certain purpose and somebody comes in and says, ah, let's do, let's do uh, contact dance, you know, improvisational contact dance every morning be before, while in the middle of meditation or whatever. And somebody says, you know, I just want to try something new. You know, I just want to, just want to try new things. Well, okay. There's a way that a space holder in a space like that would say, great, go ahead and do that. Not here. Go do that somewhere else. You know, because, and the, well, why, you know, why I want it. This is a bridge house. I want to try new things. And the point is, it isn't a playground for childhood contaminated adults. It's not a it's not a playground for um, getting revenge on authority figures. It's not a playground, you know, etc. It's a it is an actual space, and the things to try are far more dangerous than your improvisational contact dance in the middle of meditation before breakfast. It's far more dangerous than that in terms of transformation, because it isn't just a hippie drop-in joint where everybody comes in and tries what they want. It's a very different from a held space. And so there's these distinctions about guardianship about, okay, what, what is, let's ask what's a useful kind of experiment to try. You know, people have this with sexuality also, you know, people think that sexuality is, is, you know, bizarre devices or weird positions or weird places, whatever. And, and thinking that this is Tantra, 
or this is, you know, this is a kind of uh, expression of my freedom or something like that. When in fact, this is all, you know, questionable in terms of what's the real, what's really going on, what's really going on here. That's, and then, and so there's a, there's a, when you are holding a transformational space or an evolutionary space or a healing space or all three together, when you're holding that kind of a space there, you will attract all kinds of creatures who think, ah, I can play in this space. You know, they're not going to capture me because it's a space of freedom. You know, I can express myself. I can try weird things. You know, I can do all this. I'm a tantric master. I'm a whatever. And, and then you will attract things like that. And the point is, like you said, they have sword out, whatever. And, and their gremlin is at their side. And, and it says, look, that's just doesn't, it's not, it doesn't, somebody needs to be guardian. Who's going to be guardian? You know, the experiment is not to see how large cockroaches can you grow in the garbage can because nobody's taking the garbage out. You know, there's these, there's how much pain can people endure of being abused before they leave? You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of experiments that people actually unconsciously want to try that guardians need to hold this space and go, Hey, that's not happening here. It is not happening here. Hello. You know, what's really going on. And so it's a valuable, I would, you know, if you make a proposal and the proposal is not accepted and you really think it's a really valuable proposal, question which you thinks it's a valuable proposal. Put that on the table. This is called burning your own house down. Okay. This, there's a part of me that, you know, my parents never let me do this. They never let me do this in school. You know, I, I hate, I hated my teacher. I want to get revenge. They never let me get revenge in school. Ah, that's what I'm doing. Okay. You know, put that on the table because that's, that's the value of making proposals and being in a space where it's, there's guardianship guardianship for a kind of you know actual authentic healing transformation possibility space try to become a guardian of that yourself yeah and so i think that's why i'm why i spoke about this just about this meme of it's this like the space i'm creating in and the bridge house is the safest space um, i can be it helps me to take that actually away and to say maybe this is even the most dangerous place to be in because I really want to create what I want to create and I care about. And if I don't guard it, guard it, it won't happen. And there's people who have clear swords and I don't know what they're up to. And just to take away the, this, to me, this fantasy of this is the safest space to, to train. Thank you. Go ahead, Mark. Clinton, I propose you find a different analogy next time for what you find unacceptable in a space. Contact improv is not hippie. Contact improv is nice. What'd you say? Is not hippie. If you put it in a negative light. I would appreciate if you find something else to put in a negative light, such as 
child discussion in a space that's being held for quiet. I want to talk during the morning meditation would be a simple enough analogy. And talking is, can be both good and bad. So I would appreciate that. Why would I've you appreciate it? Because I consider all these people in my nano nation. And I believe that they could take a negative connotation of contact improv from what you just said. And why would that be problematical? Uh, despite your best efforts, you're an authority figure in this nanonation. What so if you declare... Which nanonation are you talking about? The 20 some people that are on this call and the hundreds of people that probably watch the recordings. I'm just asking you to use a different analogy next time. I hear what you're asking. I, I'm not making any promises. Great. I propose that I have not been speaking up because I have challenges and I don't know how to clear those with you, you in the way you said things. Before, you mean? What challenges? Yes. In, what your labs, in your labs, touch is reduced or shown as not a way to help people with healing. It's not a door opener. We missed some words, Mark. Could you just say it again? That you prefer words. So sit distant from somebody, talk to them, and help them through whatever they're doing without touching them. Most people are touch-deprived, especially in all modern cultures, and not using touch to help them to alleviate the walls that come up, I think is a weakness a disadvantage and I don't know how to address that and every time I go into a lab I feel that energy that touches bad touches bad touches bad energy I'm a massage practitioner I have exactly the opposite experience and opinion of using touch with healing So I propose something different. I also propose that there is a fifth feeling. A fifth feeling. Oh. What's your proposal? My proposal is the fifth feeling is the... Well, wait, you were experience. just proposing... Mark, I want to hear your first proposal about touch and like have it a... I'm asking you to finish your proposal about touch before you go on to the next proposal. I'm not sure I've formed it yet. I wanted to bring it to attention. I notice a, I, I observe and have experienced that touch is not acceptable in labs. My proposal is to examine that and see if that, if there's a legitimate reason for maintaining that aspect. It's simple to be 
really clear about that because it has absolutely nothing to do with touch. You might think about that when you imagine, when you remember how many rage holds on the floor, how many standing rage holds, how many, et cetera, et cetera, physical contact there is in labs. The, the distinction is it's about purpose and awareness of purpose, conscious purpose. That's what the question is. You know, there's three rules we're using in possibility management or in lab spaces, whatever. You know, don't hurt yourself, don't hurt anybody else. You know, so slugging somebody, you know, hitting somebody, it's touch. So I'm just touching you. Touch is good. Touch is healing. And that's what you're saying. And I'm saying, hey, every touch has purpose. Yes. And most of the floor exercises, you indicate there's no purpose of touch in this floor exercise. No, there's a lot of purpose in touch in that floor exercise. There can be. (laughs) I see it being proposed as avoiding, that's all. You began... um, what is the thing where you sit and somebody sits in a possibility chair? How do you begin that session? Shaking hands. Yes. So how can you say that there's no touch and it's touch is bad? Or you know the origin of shaking hands? Yes. I heard the theory about it. So I propose that a hug would go a lot further than shaking hands. If... It depends on the purpose, Mark. It depends on the purpose. purpose. is to get into an emotional state where you can relate. I can't count on that. There's a lot of hugging that goes on to take something, to get something, to invade. So when you hug somebody, you're trying to take something. I'm saying... I'm talking about you and purposes. People have different purposes. Every time I shake your hand in that practice, I'm like, oh, business transaction, corporate America, here we go. And all my walls and defenses go up. I mean, Mark. So I propose something else as possible. Mark, you're having a a gremlin conversation right now. I I don't know if you can feel the gremlin, your gremlin speaking. And in a way, it's like you will find anything to have a war with Clinton. You're finding anything. And, you know, even the way you say thank you, it's a fuck you. I agree. So, okay, what are you... This is not a war space. We don't do war. We don't do war. I do propose that touch is banned currently. And that's what I experience. Touch is bad and to be avoided. Okay, Mark, I'm saying this entire conversation does not have a purpose of proposal. It has a purpose for your gremlin to be fed on this space. There's no way any proposal deal can be made when the purpose of this conversation is for your gremlin to be fed on having some kind of war with Clinton. Thank you. I accept that. I don't know what to proceed from here. Okay, I really encourage you to do gremlin transformation. 
really because there's some impulses in there in you that are that are real like you have some impulses but your adult ego state is contaminated and therefore when the adult impulse comes out it is taken over by gremlin and and only it's it's contaminated and you can't actually create from your adult because the gremlin is always there it's always there in the communication and in this decontamination it starts with gremlin transformation and just getting to know your gremlin so that when it comes up just being like okay this is gremlin the energy is gremlin the ecstasy is gremlin and and that's it's no basis for actually relating you know for extraordinary relating or collaborating or co-creation gremlin does not have that purpose so that that would be really a strong recommendation there's one that started yesterday um janet and somebody and kian was talking about it you maybe you could talk to the space holders and ask if you could join for the remaining four sessions thank you for that proposal good thank you anything else right now from somebody else As I said on page 221, the next section is called The Contest Between You and Your Box. And it says, each of us has created a box. The box acts as a giant multidimensional filter between you and the world. The box determines everything that you can perceive and everything that you can express. The purpose of the box is to ensure your survival. From the box's perspective, its present design has been successful or is successful because you have survived. Therefore, the box concludes that if it can continue to protect itself first, then it can continue to protect you. The box is therefore justified in defending itself at all costs. Over time, you may find that you are unwilling to pay some of the costs that your box is willing to pay. The difference of opinion be begins a contest between you and your box. The box may want to continue spending your energy and attention on actions like trying to be perfect, keeping resentments, staying in isolation, putting on the show, constantly competing to be the best, not letting others know about your true inner experience, constantly struggling for survival, being secretly hypercritical of others, hiding your inadequacies or your superiority, or questioning the value of life itself. So you, the the box might want to keep spending your energy and attention on maintaining those things because that's how the box works. You know, that your particular box has its own, own things like that. From the box's perspective, these actions are how you survive. And it and true, it keeps you in survival. Those behaviors keep you in survival, which is what the box is designed to do, is keep you in survival. 
from your new perspective, you know, this new opinion that you're not willing to pay those prices, these actions produce unnecessary suffering. They're just costly. They're expensive to keep those behaviors of your box. You have this new opinion. Now what do you do? Some of the suffering the box is willing to endure are no longer worth the false security attained by remaining in such a well-defended box. So it's not worth it. The question is, who will win, you or your box? And the gremlin is your is the active part of the box. That's what the gremlin is. The box is dead. It's just this structure. It's like a machine, a robot. But the gremlin is the the activating, you know, the implementational agent of the box. Um, so who will win, you or your box? If you do not engage in this contest with focused intention and with all efforts, then your box will continue creating what it has designed itself to create, which is ordinary human relating, because that's in survival. To create extraordinary human relating, you face the challenge of expanding your box. And exactly here is where we apply edge work. So expanding the box is is about shifting your purpose. It's from survival, from mere survival, separation, competition, superiority, inferiority, revenge, you know, this is all box stuff. And so to expanding the box is uh, it's at its fundamental source is about shifting, giving new purpose to your actions, internal actions and external actions, giving it new purpose, which is totally an anathema, you know, the opposite of the box's purpose. So if you have a purpose of thriving or sharing or empowering or enjoying, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The box is freaking out because it's not about surviving. Edge work is a way for loosening the grip of your box on your limitations of your purpose, for example. With certain restrictions eased, you will be able to to start taking what were previously forbidden actions. Your new actions, small though they might seem at first, will permit you to enter previously inaccessible areas of extraordinary human relating. The procedure for edge work is to go to an interesting edge of your box, to stay at that edge, meaning not you don't have to go over the edge to do edge work. It's not about going, you know, way beyond or going out there. Sometimes certain, for example, drug experience will will take people like far beyond the edge of their box and it becomes difficult to integrate that kind of thing. So that's the cost of that kind of experiment sometimes is it it can take you far beyond the edge. You only need to go to the edge. You just stand at the edge. You can try this. You know, you go up to the top of a really tall building and you're in the middle of the roof and it looks like an ordinary room or space. There's chairs or tables or a wall or a door. 
up in the middle of this space, but then you walk to the edge of the of the top of the building, and there's this moment, like within a meter or so, you start to see the whole perspective changes, and you start to be able to look straight down, and, and your whole, at least for me anyway, my whole experience changes because I'm at the edge. If I step back two meters, ah, I can relax. I'm back in the ordinary. Go back one, I can find this line where I start, where this is the edge. The edge begins here. And if I stay at the edge, we were doing this in, in uh, what was it, Bangkok. We're standing at the edge and it does not go away. The edgeness of the edge does not go away. So you can do this as an experiment. Go to the top of a building, find where that edge is, and then stay at the edge. And just see, notice that there's this sensations of edge, being at the edge that you can use in many other parts of your life. Just And so and all you have to do is stay at the edge. You don't even have to really go over the edge or push the edge. Nothing. You just stay at the edge. The, uh, all right down there already the yeah. procedure for edge work is to go to an interesting edge of your box and stay at the edge and while staying at the edge do edge work experiments edge work this is sort of an opinion but edge work brings life to your life brings what no, never. what are you laughing never. about this is a serious space indeed <laughs> That was the end of the section of the introduction in chapter seven. We have about five minutes remaining. Any comments from anyone or sharings? Who can who could describe an edge work experiment that you're going to try this week? I'm going to be on the edge of not being careful with what I say in the lab. Because my, my gremlins been make it a bit tidy or make it so that somebody might hear it a little easier. So I'm already on the edge of this clip. Can I repeat that? And I've got two witnesses that are likely to hold me to it. Can I repeat back what I heard you say, Janet? Just so I, <clears throat> what I heard you say is one of the edge work experiments you're going to do is to formulate what you're saying so it's it's not in it's hidden. It doesn't have the hidden purpose to get people to react or overreact. No, to not to not um, filter what I want to say. To say it in its rawness. So like Eric Clapton unplugged, Janet Redmond unplugged. And yet there might be lots of reactions because I'm not being careful or really mindful in what I want to say. 
Did you get here at that time? I think I did. That you're actually going to back off from your your suppressor, whatever, from your to, to just say what needs to be said. Oh, more the code, yeah. Even if it's only half formed, yeah. And and not try to put the politeness or niceness thing to diminish it or more, something. More, not measure. Oh, what? Just give them a bit and see what they do with it. Not just. Yeah, that measuring device that I've been using. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else have an edge work experiment that you're going to? Sophia? Yes, my edge work experiment for this week is to speak more. And especially speak more from this place that I don't know. I, I noticed that, yeah, I'm doing it already. I noticed that I'm trying to, still trying to put what I say into into something um, that other people can understand and especially something that I can understand. So my edge work is, experiment is to, um, yeah, go more to that place. And I think one of the hints I think you said it once, Clinton, is to not use the first impulse mm. that comes and also not the second. I want to try this this week. Thank you. Somebody else? Sonia? Yes, I, I want to experiment on not saying I am fine or I am good when people say, how are you? I want to try this out. There's a difference between saying I want to try it out and I will try it out. Yes. I will try it out. I will try it out. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Somebody else? My mind work experiment for this week is I I want people to get me. And and so to just be to really just open up and be vulnerable and authentic and raw and so people can can really get me in all sense of that English word. Thank you. Somebody else? My Edge work experiment is to not give any feedback and to, as you propose, to propose proposals. See you all <laughs> next week. Thank you very much. Have a great time. Edge working. Thank you. Okay. Bye -bye. Thanks Bye. for being here. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.